You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. If you ever if you ever hear me say say something and I say amen or, or if you believe that say amen, uh, it's, for me it's kind of growing up in church and, and and if you want to know what that means I don't want you to like leave here. I used to think that like that when I was a kid that they were saying hey man like and I thought that people would be like hey man I'm like wow you are so disruptive. I didn't realize that like that was actually like something that church people said. And when I say amen, it's kind of an invitation for me to say if you if you agree with that, if you resonate with that, if that's true in your life, then that's when sometimes we say amen. And and that was just an incredible. Um, peace about just the faithfulness of God, that the, the battle truly belongs to God no matter what we're going through. And it's a prayer. What I like about prayers like that is it's just honest. I don't know if you've, if you've got it all put together and you've got it all figured out and, and you, you want a pastor who's got it all put together and all figured out, there are a lot of great churches for you. This is not the one. <laughs> because, and if you, if you need help doing this in your own journey, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, so, so I decided I, I had no intention of preaching a message this weekend. I was actually just pretty stoked to put on a guitar. Like, I, I miss doing that. Like, I, like I've mentioned before, I've, I've done that for a long time. And so it was kind of exciting for me to put on a guitar. And then God gave me a word to share. And, and I, I also love preaching, but I wasn't anticipating preaching today. But, but God put a word on my heart that's a hard one for me to give. And it's a hard one for me to give because it's about the kinds of things that I have never preached on before. And to be honest with you, I dreaded the idea of having to talk about. I'm talking to us today about money, about our generosity. And somebody said, get the kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got stuff to do. And like, what's funny is if you needed to go, maybe this is the part of the city you have, you have, you have uh, like, a responsibility to get to. You're like, well, crap, now if I leave, it looks as if, like, I'm just bailing because he's talking about money. But, but you, you, what I want to talk to you about, and the reason I don't want to talk to you about money, and the reason I think it makes sense on an all-worship weekend it's because it's one of the best ways for us to determine where our affection is, where our attention is, is when we talk about money. I, I heard a message, and remember, I already said in the, the, the first little opening part that worship's got to be about more than just music, man. It's got to be a response with our life. And well, I heard when I was about fifth or sixth grade, my uncle gave a message. He was my youth pastor. And so he, I heard a message that he preached. He broke down the idea of worship into words that I've always kind of held on to. You probably heard this message. It's a pretty familiar message for us to talk about worship using our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so time and talent, I guess I'll just, I'll just breeze through those because we kind of talk about those all the time. It's the way we serve. It's the way we engage people. It's the, the disciplines of our life. And so with time, a sacrifice, you know, I talked about Romans 12, talks about that we would give our lives a, a sacrifice of praise because that's our reasonable response in light of what God has done. When it comes to our time, it takes, how many of y'all know it takes time to invest in anything that matters, right? Those of y'all that are may, maybe in a relationship or married, you have a partner, listen, you want that thing to fall flat on its face, carve out no time for yourselves, right? What you got to do is to make sure, my wife and I celebrated 21 years in May 
day. And that only, oh man, thank you. Thank you. She's a saint. She's an absolute saint. But that only works when we carve out time for each other. And our lives are crazy busy. But you know what we did yesterday? We completely turned off our phones and we kind of just had a good time with shopping and doing errands around the house. Because our sacrifice of time shows my wife that she matters to me. And in the same way, if I was to say to you, there's two great commandments and I was to ask you to give them to me in four words, what would you say? Okay, yeah, that's good. I was thinking love God, love people, but I'll take yours even better, right? Love God and love people. So if our greatest commandment is love God. That takes time. We got we to gotta, we gotta put time to, to spend actual one-on-one time. God, I want to get to know you. I want to I spend some time. Worship's not about me just singing songs, though I might bring a song. In my quiet time with God, I often bring songs. So it, though it might include songs, this is a sacrifice of my time so you can know how much you matter to me. When it comes to other people, since the second commandment that Jesus said is like unto it, which is love people, it takes time to invest into others. Otherwise, you keep yourself so busy and you look back at your week and you say, what have I done to give to somebody outside of myself? It's so easy to do. So if we want to live lives of worship with our time. We have to create and carve out the space to invest the time where it matters. Our talent we kind of did this one with the community series. It's the idea that we all play different parts, right? Like we're the body of Christ. And we mentioned that there's nose, there's eyes, there's ears, there's the heart, there's the hands, there's the feet, and, and they're all different. And James did such a cool job of kind of unpacking what the body parts might say to each other. Like the eye doesn't say to the foot, man, I wish I could walk. If the eye said that to the foot, James said, that'd be crazy. And the, eye, the body couldn't see because the eye would be so busy trying to be a foot. And, and in the same way, you're, you're good at things that I'm just not good at. For instance, details probably. It would be something that you might be great at that I'm not good at. But I, I'm good at things that you're not good at. I don't know what those are, but when we come together, we, well, basically when we say, God, you've wired me to do these things. In fact, you even gave me a desire for this. I, maybe it's like I make a living doing this because I'm pretty gifted at it. Well, a sacrifice of worship with our lives would be to invest those talents into pouring into the kingdom of God, into pouring into one another. And then we got the treasure part. The treasure part, it can get kind of tough for us, man. And I really do understand the struggle. For not, first of all, Maybe it's tough for you to imagine being generous with your, with your dollars because maybe yeah, there's a history of the church just not measuring up and it's hard for you to trust the church. Well, can I just say right off the bat before I get any further, you don't give to impact. You give through impact. You're giving to the work that God has blessed you and he's done great things in your life. He's blessed you and, and you in essence say, God, I want to respond. And I can't believe that you let me use 90% of it to, to just live out my life with me and my family. You asked for me to give the first 10%. That's my tithe. And I wonder if we actually find ourselves able to do that. There's a reason Jesus talks so much about money. I heard people say money is the root of all evil. Well, that, that's not the case at all. Maybe you know it's, it's the what? Love of money, that's the root of Money can accomplish some amazing things. Money could make a big difference in your life and in the lives of others. But the love of money, remember there's only two great commandments, love God and love money. <laughs> no, it's love God and love people. And when we love money, all of a sudden one of those places gets jeopardized in our life. And so I want to talk to you today about money. I'll be honest, it's a hard message for me to preach. I got my own church wounds. And what I want to do today is invite you to remember this. This is what the, the revelation that the Holy Spirit gave me. And it helped me. It freed me up to be able to give this message. 
We're launching something brand new. Maybe you're familiar with it. You've heard here the last three weeks what we're doing. Like God is doing some pretty incredible things here in our church. I spent the last three weeks in a series called The Church Has Left the Building. And I've, we've, we've been excited about what God is doing. And, and, and now we have to put our, our money where our mouth is and ask our church to be generous to accomplish these kinds of things. And that's been hard. This part of it has been hard on me. As I've been brainstorming and praying, okay, I'm going to make a letter. And I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to find out all the cool things that we did and I want to tell a video about it and, and celebrate all the cool things that we're doing. Maybe that'll inspire people to give because they'll say, wow, Impact's doing some cool things. Listen, I, we might do that, but here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. You can make all the videos you want to make, Dustin. You can write the best email that you've ever written with all the great imagery, all the cool pictures. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? They're given to you. Tell them how faithful that I am. Tell them how generous that I am, Jesus said to me. Tell them how good I am. And then get generosity is an overflow response when people really understand just how faithful that God is. I want to talk to us about generosity today. For starters, I want to I want to start my message singing a song. And you're like, well, you've already, you're five minutes in. I know, I'm sorry, I apologize. But, so I'm going to start my me- restart my message five minutes in, ask you to sing a song. If you know this song, it's an oldie but a goodie. If you know this song, sing it with me. It was a lyric song on the screen. If you don't know these words, just listen to what's being sang. Ready? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To worship you, Here's a prayer in this song now. Take in what you hear, in what you hear. And then it ends with this prayer. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so this song is actually a song that I, I, I sang night after night. So I, I, I've mentioned a couple times I had a band. I've, I've played music since I was 16 years old. It's honestly what I just decided to give my entire life to. And then it became worship music. So I've worked in and around the church since I was 16 up until a year and a half ago when God asked me to lead Impact. Worship is what I've done. And so for the first decade of leading worship, till I was in, late into my 20s, early into my 30s, I had a worship band. So we'd load up on a bus and we would travel from city to city to city leading worship. And when we would get there, I'd get out, since we're a worship band, it was usually at a church or a conference or a festival. But most of the time it was for two reasons. We'd, we'd get to the venue and we'd be backstage with the promoters or, or with the management of the, or maybe it was the, the a pastors at the church, if we were at a church. And we'd say, what do you guys want to accomplish? And for the most part, what they were saying is, man, we want people just to worship God and we want to lift up Jesus and people come to know Jesus. And so we'd have a time of prayer together. And then at the end of my prayer, every single night with my band and our road crew and then the church staff or the festival staff, we'd sing that song every night. And we'd sing that song because it was me kind of posturing my heart. Like, like God, it's my prayer. Like, God, God, will you use this night? And, And maybe if I was kind of just like having the conversation out loud, I guess what I was saying is, God, I know me, and I mean, I didn't nail it all this week. I blew it 
But Jesus is so good and he's so faithful that I, if you'll meet me in the midst of this, you can receive my songs and my worship in a way that would be pleasing to you. May it be a sweet sound. Take joy, my king. I'm basically asking in that song and that the king of the universe would take joy in me. I, I mean, David said it, right? In Psalms, David, David said, I, I love to quote this verse. I forget the name of, what's the, what's the new telescope that's out? There's a, is like a James something? What is it? Whale? Web. Web. I should have done my homework so you guys didn't have to yell at me. Um, Patrick, you've never looked more angry. Web! If I gotta say it again, if I gotta pull this van over. <laughs> that, that, the, the imagery on that thing is amazing. If you've seen it, if you haven't, go look it up. I won't tell you what to go look up because I'll get it wrong and you'll yell at me again. But, but, but go look at the imagery of it because the imagery of it is so amazing. And David said, before he could even see that kind of imagery, he said, when I look at the stars and the handiwork of, he says, what is man that you're mindful of him? Who am I? And then I'm praying a prayer and y'all just sung a song that says, not only be mindful of me, notice me, take joy in me, let what I bring to you be something you're like, Ooh, look at that. And the cool thing is, is that we actually have the opportunity to accomplish that. I, I wish I would have known when I was on the road, I wish I had referenced this verse because there's a way to make sure that what we are doing is pleasing God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it'll be right there on the screen. It says, it is impossible to please God without what? It is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, okay, so we want to, we just sang a song and, and I started my message seven minutes in uh, with a song that I wanted for us to say, kind of postures our heart. God, I want you to receive my worship. I want you to receive my prayer. Oh, that it would even be a sweet sound in your ear. And James 11 says, okay, we can do that. We can accomplish that. But I, you can't accomplish that without faith. So that means conversely then that when we have faith, we have a shot at pleasing the heart of God. So those of us in the room that have walked with Jesus, we're going like, okay, then I want faith, right? Okay, then I want the kind of faith so that I can know that I'm going to please the heart of God. So the good news is that that passage in Hebrews 11 starts with a definition of what faith is because he, I bet you the writer of Hebrews, when he wrote chapter 6, he wanted for us to want to please God. And so he gave us a definition in Hebrews 11 verse 1. I learned it in the King James Version. I was a good Baptist boy learning my memory verses in my Sunday school classroom. So at about five or six, maybe seven years old, I learned this in the King James. So I'll put it up there in the King James Version. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can we read that together? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is two things. Faith is substance and things is evidence. Well, we want to please the heart of God. It's a weekend of worship. We want to know that our gifts of worship, our sacrifices of worship, whether songs or gifts or talents or treasures or, or, or time, we want that to please the heart of God. And so we, we now know that you have to have faith. And now we're investigating, well, what is faith? This faith thing that unlocks the pleasure of God, God receiving pleasure from our lives. And it's now substance and it's evidence. So substance, so faith is the substance of things that we hope for. Substance is like the matter of what something is made of. So if we were to talk about what these chairs are made of, we'd rattle off the ingredients that go into making these chairs. When making the kinds of faith that is pleasing to God, it's, it's made up of the things that we hope for. So if God's going to find pleasure in us, and it, we, he's got to find pleasure in us because what we're offering to him is revealing where our hope really is. 
And so when we offer these things, if we give God these tiny little pieces of something that really doesn't cost us anything because we don't want to get, go too hard in because it might come back to bite us whenever we don't have enough, then what we're saying we hope in is not God. But God is saying, but I, I want to take pleasure in you. I just need you to make sure that what you're offering me reveals what your hope is really in. And with money especially, that's a tough one, right? Because you don't get to like, send a smud, like a, a letter in a smud that says like, uh, I hope in God. What's that, what's that get me? You know, I hope in God. I, uh, maybe you could just not turn my gas off. I don't know. You know like, so the substance of what we hope for, we, it takes money to accomplish these things. But when we put our hope in money, it handicaps us from being able to put our trust fully in God. And then it says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. Evidence, if, you're, if you need to prove a case and you go to the court of law and you need, what do you need evidence for? Proof. Yeah, evidence proves. Evidence says, yo, here's what I think happened. And not only am I just saying this or doing this, this isn't circumstantial evidence. This is proof. And our faith produces evidence that there's an unseen God. And it not only proves it to us, I want to show you today, in light of this new thing that we're doing together to try to go, as the Great Commission says, we're launching this new church model on October 10th, and we chose 10-2, October 10th, because Luke 10-2 is Jesus saying, there's so much harvest out there. The harvest is great, but I can't get nobody to go into the fields and pick the harvest. And so we decided, well, we're going to go into the fields because there's people that want to respond to God. And maybe God uses our faith investments to not only prove the unseen reality of himself to us but what if he proved it to others too in first kings it's chapter 18 i think my ipad went off which it only does that when i don't touch it which means i've talked too long and i set it to where like my ipad going off is like yo you need to wrap this point up dustin so so first kings chapter 18 if i was to give you like just the, the the reader's digest version of what's going on probably one of my favorite old testament passages and it's one of my favorite old testament passages because elijah is about to do the most incredible thing that he's ever done before he, he elijah has a a resume that's got a handful of things on it where you're like man this is this dude's on fire <laughs> literally here in a minute but right after this elijah has the most depressed downtrodden suicidal even woman in his life so can i tell you really quick before i go any further if if maybe you're not nailing the faith game maybe your faith wavers a little bit of time can i just tell you that you're in good company because the guy who called fire down from heaven his faith wavered within 24 hours of this so our our expectation today is not to be flawless with our faith it's to be making the kinds of steps in our faith that, that prove something to ourselves and others about a God who is faithful. And so we now find a, a battle going on. We've been talking about battles, th that the battle belongs to the Lord. And we got the prophets of Baal here, and we got Elijah here. So the prophets, the Baal was the God that everyone was serving. And there's a whole stinking lot of prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal are saying, we've got, our God is the one true God. And, and Elijah says, no, my God is the one true God. And so now it's Elijah versus says all these prophets it is all on the line because Elijah says let me prove to you that my God is who he, let me prove
prove to you with evidence that there's an unseen God. Let me put my hope completely in this God. The substance of what I hope for is, is my God. And when I offer up a sacrifice to, you're going to see proof that there is a God. You offer your proof, I'll offer my proof, and let's see what evidence actually stands at the end of this battle. So they, they build an altar. The prophets of Baal build an altar. And the idea was pray for fire to come from heaven and to light up your altar. The prophets of Baal prayed, Baal, you got to send some fire. Prove yourself, Baal. You got you to send fire so that, that we can know that you, Baal, are God. And, and no, no one responded. And so the, the, the story says that the prophets of Baal, like they started doing ceremonial dances and cutting themselves. You, you should read Elijah's mocking them, which is an awesome part of the storyline. But ultimately, it's Elijah's turn. Nothing happened over there. There, were, there was no evidence of anything unseen over there. And then now it's Elijah's turn. We pick up right there in 1 Kings 18. Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what's that word? Prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. So before I, I keep reading, I just want you to not miss this. Elijah's about to do the most incredible thing he's ever done in his life. Like, it's on. Like, he's, he's about to set something straight. If you read the rest of the story, the whole people group turned to God. But that's before that happens, Elijah says to God, God, I've seen evidence of this in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, their life kept modeling to me that there's a God. I watched their faith and their faith set in motion proof that I could believe. And so I'm calling on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a God that you've proven yourself to me through their faith. And he says, now I'm calling on you, the same God that I know has proved himself to them. Now prove yourself to me. And he says, prove that I have done all of this at your command. You can follow along. You don't have to read, but follow along with me. Oh, Lord. Answer me, answer me so that these people will know how spiritual that I am. Answer me so that people will see how much money that I have to invest. Answer me because I'm really talented and I want to build something. I kind of want to be in the band. So answer me so that, no, answer me so that these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. All I want, the only reason I'm going all in with my faith is not so I have a spiritual position. I'm going all in with one goal in mind and going all in is because I so badly want for them to know what I know about you. So my faith is going to demonstrate that if you'll answer me. And then we see in verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and it burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. See, the water was something that Elijah had never done before. Building an altar was kind of commonplace practice for Elijah. It, it, it was just kind of part of, of worshiping Jesus, worshiping God. It was, he, he'd build an altar and it might be a grain offering sometimes or a bull offering sometimes, a sacrifice of blood sometimes. And, and that would be the, the altar was part of the worship. But water was above and beyond this thing. Water had to make sure that they knew that he, Elijah didn't have like this magnifying glass on like some straw and hay, you know, just trying to get this thing going a little bit. He didn't want for it to be mistaken that maybe it can make sense and, and somehow Elijah got it started and he did it. So Elijah dumped buckets and buckets and buckets of water just to say, just so the record shows, I want you to have no doubt 
that my God is who he said he is. And my faith is going to prove that to you. And so Elijah says, I'm familiar with the altars. This is a regular part of my sacrifice. But every once in a while, there's a moment in our faith journey where there's something at stake that's worth throwing some water on it. There's something happening all around us that's worth making sure that there's no mistake that my faith is completely in God and I'm going to go all in so that the people all around me can know and prove the evidence of the unseen because of my faith. And then it ends in verse 39. The story says, And when all the people saw it, they fell down, face on the ground, and they cried, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord, He is God. I I told you I wanted to talk about money and, and I already showed my hand to you and I was just transparent that I hate these conversations because I got, I got my own scars. There's been seasons where it's been hard for me to be generous to the church because I didn't have any confidence in the church, which is why I started with you're giving through us, not to us. But we can't preach three weeks about what God is doing and three weeks about us going and the the harvest is ready. We can't preach three weeks about the exciting go reality that the Great Commission doesn't say come and see. It says to go and tell. We can't preach three weeks and, and God not pause me in my track and say it's time to make sure that the church by and large is really individually willing to say let me put some skin in the game so that what I bring to the table can prove that there is a God that maybe this city is going to know God and respond to God because of the generosity of your sacrifice I'm not being that's not a preachery pastory thing to say we don't have an online store. You, I say this before. It's not buy one, get one. Right now, act now. You can, for $39.99, you can go to lunch with Deb, but it will, for an extra $10, we'll throw in John G. Going once, going twice. No, I mean, we don't have anything that we can sell you to conjure up your support. We need for the church to be willing to say, I'm going all in. And every once, for some of us, for some of us, The giving generously is a part of an altar that we build week after week after week. And you will never, ever know what it feels like to know that we can accomplish things. And we accomplish that because of the weekly, maybe monthly offerings that you build on an altar of sacrifice. And you say, I'm going to offer this to the Lord and I'm going to pray that he use it and he allows us to use it. That's your week in, week out. But every once in a while, Elijah never prayed this prayer before. I don't read where he ever prayed it again. But every once in a while, a moment in time happens where you say, God, I don't want to miss this. And I want to be a part of the proof. And that's the invitation. The invitation is that you would be a part of the proof. There's a, if you have a program, would you grab it? You, you grab it. If you don't have a program, you can get one on your way out. I, I just want to show you this. I'm going to send an email later in the week with this information, but this is a pledge card. We've never done this in the nine years that I've been here, and I've never done this since I've been leading. But this pledge card is, in essence, an invitation to dump some water on your offering. I, I'm talking to two people about their sacrifices, about the altar of giving that, that you come to be generous on week in, week out. For some of you, and I'm just, as friends, I've been there. Hear me say, I have been there. I have gone years as a pastor and I didn't give because I hated what the church was doing. And I just would rather, I got kind of arrogant and selfish and I was like, well, I'll give it, but I'll be, I'll give it my way. What I realized is that actually what I'm doing is saying, I'm not going to be obedient to what you've invited me to do. I got it figured out. It was really a seat of arrogance, a root of pride in my life. But I've been there 
Some of you, though, your altar is weakly empty. The normal altar that Elijah built week after week after week after week, that's a regular part of worship. There's some of you in this room that that altar is n never is burning with any, any financial gifts. And that's a, there's, there's just dust there from the, the, the sacrifice gifts of everyone else in the room. But you know, I'm not giving anything. And so there's two people that I'm asking to respond today. Number one, it's the person that, that bring, the, the altar is empty. And I'll let you know, and I'll reiterate this since we have new people. I purposefully have no idea who gives. I know a lot of lead pastors, they, they kind of, it's helpful to know that. My choice is that I have no idea. When, I, when we fill out paperwork and our financial companies need to know uh, our giving units and who gives, I give that over to our bookkeeper because I don't want to know. I'll be honest with you. There might be a season in ministry where maybe it helps to know how to plan, but in this season, I don't want to take a meeting because somebody gives and, and not take a meeting because someone else doesn't give. or That's kind of subconsciously settles in. So I have no idea who gives anything. So I'm, when I'm preaching this and I'm looking around, you're saying, he was looking at us the whole time. No, I'm really not. I have no idea. But for some of you, some of you, that, that altar of sacrifice is, you need to burn something on it regularly. And then for the others of us in the room, this is an invitation to dump some water on it. The kind of thing that says, God, if you don't do something, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. It, I, my, let me read it. You don't, you don't have to put it on the screen. Prove that I have done this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and it burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it even licked up all the water in the trench. Elijah was regularly making sacrifices. And so what, it wasn't the bull or the wood or anything else that was the sacrifice that pleased the heart of God. It was the prayer of faith that said, I'm going all in because I want these people to know you. The altar had been built there for who knows how long. The altar was already burnt, sitting there whenever that they were praying. But then when Elijah's faith showed up, it activated God's response. And so it's our faith. It's the gifts of faith that we give that activates God being able to do the kind of work that will prove the unseen. And so for some of us in the room, this pledge card is very, very simple. It literally says between now and our official converge launch date of October 2nd, 2022, I slash we pledge to give a total of blank. And you fill that in. Some of us in, you in the room can say, well, I, I, it'd be easier for me to give a one-time gift, the kind of gift that dumps some water on an offering. God, you don't show up. I'm screwed. So I trust you. You're going to use this to, to show you to your, yourself to the people in the city. And some of you can do that in a one-time thing. Others like me might want to be generous. They might want to give the kind of gift that's just, whew, baby, we're going all in. Let's do this thing. And, and some of y'all might not be able to do that in one, but you can say, but I can forfeit this and this so we can dig deep and, and we can forfeit some things to make it the kind of investment that we can be proud of. And that's the dollar amount that you see. When you fill this out and you leave it in the offering basket, well, then what that means is our bookkeeper, again, I don't see it, but our bookkeeper is going to be able to go into your, your online profile. And every time you give to the Converge launch, you'll see that pledge grow to you until you meet that goal. If, if if you don't meet it by that initial launch date, well, keep going. Keep going until you can do it. But filling this out will allow us to be able to say, okay, we've got some folks putting some water on some offerings. Now, God, you need to show yourself and be the evidence through us that you are the God that you said that you are and use us to be the evidence. I'm going to send an email out later in the week and invite you to just remind you about this. But can I, can I ask you to... Be prayerful about it. 
Before you write it off or to say you're not going to do it, be prayerful for those of you who don't give regularly. Can I just ask you to begin to do that? You're not giving to impact. You are giving through impact. For those of you that do give, can I ask you to give above and beyond in this one season? We're not, this isn't the message that we're going to preach in October or November. Every once in a while, God sets the stage for us to give the kind of faith sacrifice that makes the mark on people that changes everything. And we know every single one of those prophets turned to God. The tables in the back and tables in the front are a chance for us to do two things. And it's the rhythm, as the band, you can come on up here. It's the rhythm of why we do communion and offering together. The reason we do that is because the communion elements, a little cup of juice and a little cracker, that's reminding our hearts of what Jesus did for us. And then there's a basket, a little bluish green basket, and that's our chance to say, in view of your mercy, and in light of what Jesus has done for me, it's the reasonable act of service that I can do to give my time, my talent, and my treasure. And that's where we collect our collective treasures together that we use to prove to these families that are here this morning and to the ones who aren't here yet that there is a God worth giving our life to. If you believe that there is a God worth giving our lives to, say amen. amen. Can I invite you to stand together? We're going to sing one more song, and it's a song that like, I've been living in for a while. In fact, I'm going to grab my guitar. It's a song that I've been living in for a while. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story. I didn't tell the story last service, but I'll, I'll briefly tell the story real quick. Like, I, was, I mentioned last, last service, remember when, when I said that, that we started to pray like, God, we don't know what to do. We, it's not that we're unwilling to pay our mortgage. We're just incapable. We are, we, we're unable to pay our mortgage. And I began to pray and ask God what he wanted us to do next. And I was praying in the, in the man cave at my old house. My wife and I, our family just moved. But I was praying in the old house and I was praying, God, I just need you to, I need you to give me some wisdom and direction. And it was the Tuesday before I, I, I met the staff and the, the pastors and elders in my office. And this song came on. And it was as if God was reminding me that he was already doing something. We started in, in December of 2020, in the middle of COVID, we started doing things like drive-by, drop-off. And we started doing things like we were, we'd, we'd be the church outside of the walls of the church because our building was closed. And we started a hashtag that was hashtag no walls needed. I had no idea that we launch a mobile church a year later, you know. But this song is all about talking about the walls and our lives falling. But there is a prayer that I want to be our prayer as a church that says, God, we just want for Jesus to do his thing. And there are no walls needed to accomplish that. So I'm going to pray for us. After I pray, take a minute and head to the table of communion. Grab the elements. If you can't prepare to give, give. If you need time with your pledge card, Take it with you. If you already know what you want to do, drop it in there. And I'll follow up this week asking for you to turn those pledge cards in. God, I pray in Jesus' name. And my, like my, favorite, my favorite reason to look at Scripture and to see the things that we read today, God, is that you're a God that is 
true to your word. You don't change, God. You don't, you don't bait and switch. Our faith, the, one, the, the kind that pleases your heart, may it be a sweet, sweet offering to you, God. Take joy, my King. We, those prayers, we actually have the, the resources to make sure that we can do those things. It's when we decide that what I'm going to do, the faith that I'm going to offer that makes sure that you are pleased with me, is the kind of faith that says, I'm fully hoped and anchoring my hope in you. And then, God, I pray that you would use our faith to be the evidence of the unseen, proving to us when we are generous God I pray in Jesus name you then have the responsibility you said test me and see I will not be outdone you cannot outgive me you said and so now I'm able to say not based on my own authority I can stand here as their pastor and say you can God said you can test him and so family I would say test him and see so I pray as we lean into the God that said test me and see I pray that we would test you with the kind of faith that would be evidence that there is a God that we can't see oh sees every detail of our lives there is a God that though we can't see you knows every challenge we are going through and the battle and every one of those belongs to you I pray you would speak to us give us clarity and revelation on how we can be part of the evidence that proves to this city that there is a God worth following we pray all of these things in Jesus name amen Head to the tables and we're going to sing a song together before you go. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.